Welcome to Forever LDS. This is Chris Heimerdinger, and today we are going to be continuing our reading of Muckwhip's Guide to Capturing the Latter-day Soul. H-Mail 5 From Muckwhip at waydownbelow.hel Frognaught at WayDownBelow.hel Subject Hyperventilating <coughs> My dear Frognaught, I read with grave concern the postscript at the end of your latest H-mail admitting that your target was invited into his bishop's office to discuss whether he might be interested in serving a mission. It is with extraordinary effort that I retain my composure. Are you really so addle-headed as to think that this tidbit deserves no more acknowledgement than an infantile postscript. Even more disturbing is your passive mention that because you were unable to penetrate the premises, you're not entirely certain what was discussed. I realize, Frognaught, that you are new to this post, therefore I will allow myself only a few feeble hyperventilations and proceed to instruct you in my most patient and delicate manner as befitting a father whose affections for his wayward spawn run so very deep. Let's look at your most glaring oversight. Don't misunderstand me. It's not that I fail to grasp your strategy of making the target functionally inactive in the organization before he is literally inactive. I'm happy to learn he doesn't croak a single note of any hymn during services. Oh, I'm pleased by his inclination to exchange texts with friends across the chapel, and particularly impressed that you have convinced him to loiter loquaciously in the hallway during much of Sunday school, priesthood. But don't you think you should have encouraged him to lollygag at the opposite end of the edifice instead of the very foyer where his bishop would most certainly spot him? <sighs> this is just another reason why it is critical that you extricate him from that building altogether. <sighs> What's done is done. Let us now assess the damage. In truth, what was discussed in his bishop's cubby is not nearly as important as the posture that Mr. Hansen exhibited when he emerged. Did the boy appear crestfallen? perhaps offended that his spiritual leader 
might even suggest something as outlandish as tracting for two years in some vermin-infested precinct like Bolivia or Bulgaria? Were your target's features cloaked in indifference or doubt, convinced that he could never in a million years prepare himself for such a grueling assignment? Did he look dismally, viscerally, ashamed, mortified, that his sins, his very musings of sin, had made him wholly unfit for the arch-enemy's services? Any such sentiment could be warped to our advantage. What would concern me most is if he came out of that office looking preoccupied, expectant, even ebullient, a tear in his eye, confident and calm. This would confirm that the archenemy's spirit, which kept you at bay, did his dirty work. Such a prospect could not be more serious. It would demand immediate retaliation, potentially forcing us to deploy the heavy artillery. But before we overreact and blow a hole in our annual budget, remember that a great deal can still be attained by a skillful application of the power of suggestion. Subtle prods, well-timed, can suffocate any budding desire to enlist in the opposition's pimple-faced army. For instance, can you plant in Mr. Hansen's subconscious the tidbit that his bishop is really cut from the same cloth as his nagging mother, can you convince him that the entire organization is nothing but an interfering taskmaster? If he can come to believe that it's the church that stands in the way of true happiness and contentment, oh, Frognot, what a beautiful thing. Two years. To a young man like Stuart Hansen, this is nothing short of an eternity. Although a modern young man generally operates on the assumption of time's prodigious abundance, selfish tendencies can quickly morph this perspective. Time suddenly becomes a priceless commodity. Remind him of the opportunity cost, of chances that may never come again. Scream to his subconscious that if two full years, 24 months, 105 weeks, 730 days are sacrificed at this precious interval, his lifelong dreams may never reach fruition. Deliver to his imagination a hovering vision of his worldly objectives. Money, love, pleasure, fame, whatever ambition works, choose one or a combination of many and hammer, hammer, hammer them home. 
fortunately, we still possess a certain incontrovertible advantage. Your target has never claimed to have a so-called testimony of the organization, its profits, or its doctrines. Therefore, you are free to play upon his sense of moral and intellectual superiority. He's already snugly ensconced in apathy. He considers church the most tedious hours of the week. With the slightest nudge, you can turn apathy into antipathy. Can you help his bishop's remarks resonate like a chorus of cliches? Can you prompt him to adopt the same attitude with regard to what is said in every religious service he attends? Emphasize the repetitive, inane, chalkboard screeching nature of what he hears. Amplify his disgust for vapid phrases like, I know this church is true, or bless this food that it might give us nourishment and strength. Or, help us to apply these principles in our daily lives, etc., etc. Surely your boy can be made to see that most of the archenemy's adherents repeat such phrases with little or no forethought. They might as well simultaneously plan the evening meal or ponder the sagacity of SpongeBob SquarePants. Let your target marvel at the absence of creativity, the lack of conscious efforts. I assure you, he will start to feel quite superior precipitously higher than the level of these chattering parakeets. If he ever considers that an individual's devotion or testimony is sincere, whisper that this is only because the poor sucker has been brainwashed by a lifetime of mythological mishmash. Never, never let your target conclude that anyone out there actually knows anything. They may think they know. They may even believe it. But never could a man conceivably know something so sublime, so non-existential. The concept itself, literally knowing that something is true, invokes an incurable curiosity, leading far too many to exert a genuine effort to discover if such abstract, intangible tripe can actually be discerned. Remind him that, of course, no one knows the unknowable. The very notion denounces the world's vast compendium of common sense. What is faith against the intensity of so many billions of agnostic and disbelieving voices? Voices, by the way, that we are obliged and eager to amplify. In the face of such a cacophony, Faith most assuredly fails, becoming a wallowing, blushing, and helpless thing. Or so it will appear to most, or so it must always appear.
But if, by some strange aberration, Stuart Hansen ever shows symptoms of being deeply moved by sincere testimony, your strategy must turn on a dime. You must immediately emphasize all of the testifier's chinks and faults. For example, does this testimony bearer have a hair-trigger temper? Will he, at the slightest provocation, cut loose with some vile profanity? Is he or she guilty in their past of any of our more malignant sins? Take advantage of every opportunity to expose a testifier as a flaming hypocrite. Even the way a testifier bites his nails, the obnoxiousness of his children, or even the poor quality of his automobile can clinch the deal. You'd be surprised how quickly we can delude a target into deciding that because a testifier cannot match his socks and his necktie, he couldn't possibly know whether a thing is true. Above all else, do not allow Mr. Hansen to remotely consider petty promises regarding those who lack wisdom. Dismiss with all fervency any effort he might pursue to make honest inquiries of the archenemy. Oh, how I dread this underhanded ploy. Twist the very idea into a murkiness of abstractions, abstractions, abstractions! I realize this is much easier with older targets. Your caterpillar isn't far enough removed from his years as a little child, when he still possessed all of the humility, faithfulness, and other nonsense that the opposition constantly applauds as a superior state of being. Use this to your advantage. Don't let the arch-enemy use it for his. With only the slightest prod, teenage humility can be transformed into open-mindedness. For our purposes, this means that he'll swallow just about anything that he believes enhances his popularity, attractiveness, or sense of independence. To the opposition, it means that he can be prompted to seek spiritual guidance in all its simplicity and purity, which, I assure you, could damage our cause irreparably and invoke the wrath of every department in the infernal realms. The older the target, the easier it is to fog frank, straightforward interpretations of spiritual events. Things like... What I felt was the result of something I ate. Or, I convinced myself that I felt something only because I desperately wanted to feel it. Or, my personal favorite, what I felt was simply an aberration of the senses stimulated by a combination of natural psychological influences that may or may not have any relationship to spiritual phenomenon. Unfortunately, these interpretations do not work well on teenagers. 
they're still far too accepting of data at face value. We haven't yet taught them to complicate things the way we like. If the archenemy's spirit elbows your boy, I fear he'll recognize the reality of the experience far too readily. This is why it is absolutely critical that you prevent him from ever making a serious, prayerful inquiry as to whether the organization is true, whether what's-his-name is a prophet of God, or whether those gold plates translated by Mr. Smith are, in fact, scripture. And in your present case... Do not, under any circumstances, allow Mr. Hansen to ask whether or not he should serve a mission. If it is ever reported to me that such an inquiry was made, <laughs> Frog Nod, you will find no place of refuge in any recess of the lower realms. Expect swift and excruciating consequences. Your unwavering employer, Muckwhip. H-mail six from Muckwhip at waydownbelow.hel to frognot at waydownbelow.hel. Subject. Nice work. <coughs> My dear Vrognot, I read your latest dispatch with sheer delight. I even faxed a copy of it to the central office, omitting, of course, your name wherever you naively credited yourself and submitting my own. But strictly between you and me, well done. Recent developments in young Mr. Hansen's life are ample proof of your abundant talents. I am happy to issue you one credit towards solid advancement in the department. You're well on your way, old chap. Only 999,999,999 credits to go. I'm particularly impressed with the way you isolated your target from any further attendance at church. Touché. For you to have capitalized upon the chance meeting in the school hallway betwixt your boy and the sensuous Miss Janelle Sessions was prime work indeed, reminiscent of my own early days as a tempter. We've already utilized Miss Sessions on several occasions with roaring success. Don't let those bohemian blue eyes or delicate pouting lips deceive you. She's cunningly calculating, ravenously self-serving, and stupendously superficial, but in such an unconventional way that most of those who cross her path will contend that she's the most altruistic individual they've ever met. Oh, I like her, Frognot. That is to say, I hate her, but you know what I mean. 
She is consumed by vanity, smoldering with pride, and lascivious to the point of calling it a virtue. Best of all, with respect to your target, she's highly persuasive in her defense of personal freedom and liberating oneself from the shackles of religion. Don't have to tell you how eager some of us down here are to one day sink our teeth into that one. What a flavor, what a crunch! <laughs> I'm certainly not surprised that it took mere minutes for Miss Sessions to reel him in so securely. She hit all the right buttons. Did she really try to flatter him over his musical finesse? Legions of us cackled out loud at that one. She knows perfectly well that his talents are appallingly mediocre, yet she soft-soaped him all the same. I loved the way you instantly turned his attention to his pocketbook. One does not skimp while courting Miss Sessions, but you must always assure him that the results will be infinitely worth it. Was he really calling the classifieds just an hour after school dismissed? Oh, Frognot, you are a subtle fiend. I especially enjoyed the twist you snuck into his psyche that he was not acquiring a job to woo Miss Sessions, but to potentially save for a mission. Keep playing that angle, but be careful. Don't ever allow him to remotely believe it. It must remain purely a rationalization. Let it be the thing he tells his mother if she ever questions his judgment. Then we'll watch with succulent pleasure as his illustrious female friend picks his pocket of every nickel, penny, and peso. In case you've missed it in Miss Sessions' dossier, she prefers a suitor who drives no less than a Ford F-150. It would be well if you could stimulate your target to make an investment that will strangle his finances well into his twenties, thus making even the idea of a mission a mathematical impossibility. Finally, I'm profoundly pleased with your success at encouraging him to select a job that will force him to work Sundays. Bravo! You've topped my loftiest expectations, my minuscule Myrmidon. At last his ties to the organization will be prematurely amputated, and not a moment too soon. I will point out, however, that the vast majority of credit still belongs to me. After all, I was the one who ordered your comrade, Grubworm, to elbow the owner of that computer game outlet, a man solidly under our thumb, to hire your boy on the spot. You see, I suspected that the delivery shop where he first interviewed might call back allowing him the option of working Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. This would have done us no good at all. Still, I cannot overlook your important, albeit meager, contribution. I noticed that when the delivery shop did finally call, you whispered a wily reminder to your target that the game store was offering an additional dime per hour. Nicely done. 
Now watch, my dear Frognot. Sit back and bask in the irony. Think of the hilarious explanation Mr. Hansen will shortly present to his mother. But, Mom, I'm working on Sunday to save for a mission. Isn't that what you wanted? Oh, I must allow myself a satisfied sigh. <sighs> there are few moments for us in hell. More mouth moistening than to hear any mortal, especially a teenager, maintain that he must break one commandment in order to keep another. I anticipate that young Mr. Hansen will soon require far less attention. His destiny will be well in hand. I simply forewarn you not to fumble the ball. All that we've really done is inch open the door. Now we will begin cinching our strongest cords. I look forward with fervency to your next report. Your perfidious patriarch, Muckwhip. Thank you for joining us today on Forever LDS. It's a great honor to know that I have faithful listeners who have kept their loyalty to the site. While I have not been so steady at providing new episodes during the same year that I have also released a novel. I'm grateful for your patience. I'm grateful for your tolerance. I'm just grateful for every effort, as well as those who have become customers on my new shop site, shop.foreverlds.com. It's only on shop.foreverlds.com that you can get a personalized signature and a doodle on the newest Tennis Shoes novel, Volume 13, Thorns of Glory, Part 1. Many of you may be aware that I am in the process of creating a new podcast, Heimerdinger on Heimerdinger. The Politics You Deserve. This is strictly a comedy podcast featuring politics and a lot of the trauma and tragedy that we've experienced lately in the U.S. election, blah, blah, blah. I will provide a link to the opening episode in the show notes on Forever LDS. Thank you again for listening to the continuing adventures of Stuart Hansen in Muckwhip's Guide to Capturing the Latter-day Souls. In the meantime, I need to ask, are you staying close to the Lord? If you don't feel as close to the Lord today as you did yesterday, who moved? Think about it. I think you'll come up with the correct answer. This is Chris Heimerdinger, and this is Forever LDS.